and welcome to episode number 27 of The Third Power. This is Anthony Avatolo, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Usman Jamil. Howdy. Always with the excited welcome, always, always. <laughs> I was trying to think of an exciting one, too. I'm just like, I, I don't have one. Well, you know, you have like two weeks since the last episode to come up with one. I know, right? <laughs> it's like, here's Usman. Ding. I'm like, hey, what's yeah. up? Hey, Hey, and, and anyway, today we have a special guest host. We're going to interview somebody who has a great Cube idea. Uh, we saw it, got really excited about it, uh, and that's Stuart Fleischer. How you doing, man? Hi. How's it going? Very, very good. We're glad to have you here. Perfect. And uh, for those of you who don't know Stuart, he is the inventor of the split card cube. Uh We'll we'll get to you know we'll we'll of course talk all about that and how I came up with it and what's involved in it and all that good stuff. So, uh, is there anything loose? Is there anything you want to talk about before we get into that? Or I was gonna say, uh, I guess, do you want to recap of what's been going on? Like, because like we probably would have on the last episode with the whole like interview with Zach Hill, but that whole thing. Well, GP Indy happened. And I went with a friend, TJ, TJ Aker, who I think I've mentioned on the show, and he hooked me up with a bunch of stuff, and he still did this time around. We went from there to Indy, pretty much just keep the whole time, and came back. And, I don't know, there's an article, uh, met up with Adam Siborski, and we, he did a Common Cube draft, like, walkthrough, and it's on the Mothership. It actually went up yesterday. And That's right, your picture's up there. Yeah, I don't know, I think I, yeah, I was like, huh. There's <laughs> my picture. It looks like I have like a. I like how none of you guys are like actually looking at the camera or look like you're remotely uh, paying attention. I don't know. I remember in one of the pictures, I'm just like I'm just looking down. You're just like catching the action, you know. I'm, I'm right. not right or wrong. Right. <laughs> right. It's like the old football cards where you'd have like the regular card, like the regular Joe Montana card, and then you'd have Joe Montana in action, and it's oh, like him wow. throwing the ball. Right. It's like here's me drafting lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not great photography, but, you know. Oh, okay. But, yeah, what happened, and what, yeah, there was also GP Nashville where we meeted up. We needed met up. Meeted up, huh? Meeted up. We met up for, like, five minutes, and then there was the Jeep. You went, had a whatever uh, legacy thing. Yeah, the super legacy super IQ. Yeah. Where uh, And you got to do the uh, last episode interviewing Zach. Yeah, it was kind of like Ruben was like, hey, uh, we're interviewing Zach Hill about the cube with the Moto Cube. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. It was like me, Ruben, and uh, Eric McCormick, who's also from St. Louis. And we interviewed him. I don't know. I thought it went pretty well. Like, I guess I could have gone harder on him, but I was nervous. And was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> should've, probably should have given him some more trouble about, like, Neurot Commando or whatever. But Give it up business. Yeah, give about him a Storm. Oh, yeah, yeah, and about, like, Storm and whatever. But I don't know. I, I, I thought it went fine. But unfortunately, Anthony was able to make it because he was staggered by Oh, uh, yeah, I was too busy being the only 13-pointer to miss the top eight of the Super IQ. Oh, ew. That sucks. That sucks. It, it's like, all right, if I top eight, I make at least twice my money. I have really good matchups across the board. This will be super awesome. And if people want to split, I'm going to turn my, you know, my money split, I'm going to turn my 25 into 125. And this is awesome. And I went, you know, 4-1-1 in the ninth place. And this is what happens when you enter actual magic events instead of just queuing with your friends. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, but you know, you got to you got to keep the uh, you got to keep all your tools sharp. I think. Uh, you know, you have to do regular drafts. You have to do some constructed. You have to. I think it just helps as a as a magician in general, uh, just to keep all your all your things sharp. So you can then go back to the cube and be like, I did this past week and went, you know what, Jace, uh, memory adept, not fun. I think he's uh, yeah. getting the hefo. Not fun. Pretty non-interactive. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. fun. I, I I thought he would be pretty good. I'm like, wow, I'm okay with having a really powerful card, and having now been on both sides of it a few times, I'm like, yeah, this is just not interesting at all. I'm gonna pose this question to both of you. Because I just thought of it. Which is less interactive, Moat or Jace 3? You know, we've actually, I've never actually played with Jace 3 because I just saw it, and having experience with Nemesis of Reason, I think we, everyone in my cube group was instantly like, that's completely out of the question for yeah, cubes. So. <laughs> it's like, hell no. <laughs> yeah. I'm still running both, but yeah, it's definitely really awkward in Jace 3. It's just like, and yeah, we're all going to make this stupid thing. Yeah, like, I don't like Moat either, but I think Jace 3 is probably a bit more oppressive, because at least a Moat doesn't kill your opponent in, like, two turns from now. Yeah, it's like, kill you or die. I mean, I mean, granted, there are some decks where you're just like, hi, have fun for the rest of the game, but at least it doesn't kill you right away. I'm not sure which is worse, to bore your opponent to death or just to kill them in two turns uninteractively. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's just something I randomly thought of right now. I was like, huh. But yeah. Uh, and the day after... I mean, to be fair, it's probably Jace 3, because it's already in the best color. And, like, it really doesn't need the help. Yeah. It's got, yeah, empty win conditions out of this. But, yeah, yeah it's, uh, et cetera. Yeah. And, like, the day after, you had to leave it, like, in the morning. And I was like, Yeah, ah. I had to leave it in the morning. I had to go back, and uh, my wife's, it was the last day of my wife's uh, opera performances uh, that she was doing at the university. So I needed to make it back to my home by 2, which means with the time change, I needed to leave at, like, 9 a.m., or something like that. So I, I unfortunately was not around on Sunday, but on Sunday, Usman, you. Uh, well, at first I was just like draft, cube drafting people. I finally met Evan Irwin and got him to sign. I got a bunch of people to sign stuff, but I had Evan Irwin sign my Spectral Procession, which, like, there, it was a really good thing for him to sign. Like, he's pretty much the reason why I got into cubing. Like, when he used to do videos about cube for, like, the Magic Show, that really got me into cubing. And if it wasn't for him, you know, I wouldn't have a podcast. I wouldn't be writing. I probably wouldn't even be playing Magic nowadays. Cause I wouldn't care about Magic. I'd be like, eh, I just draft every month or whatever. I just wouldn't care. And you know, because of that, I found you know my niche or my passion or whatever in Magic. So it's just like, sweet, sign my Spectral Procession and my Cloud Goat Ranger because he was an early adopter of Cloud Goat Ranger in Cube. And so I had him sign those. And then the day started to wind down. It was like around ten. It was actually around five or so. Like. It was right before Top 8 was announced, and I saw Todd Anderson, and I was like, hey, are you Todd Anderson? He's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, I, you know, dig your stuff, blah, 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 and introduced myself. I'm like, my name's Usman Jamil. I do cute stuff for Star City. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've read your stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, let me introduce if you're really into cute, let me introduce you to my friend. And then he introduced <laughs> me to somebody else, and then that person introduced me to Stuart and hmm. was just like, Hey, I forget how how the conversation started, but essentially it was like, "Hey, I have a split cube," and my brain just like exploded. I'm like, "What? What?" what? 
So maybe we should actually tell people what a, a split card cube is in case, just in case it's not obvious from the name. Oh, well, well right we're going to have to do that anyway because uh, <laughs> the floor is all yours. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, well, the, the split card cube is um, basically a variation on cube that I have created in which every card in the cube is a split of two existing magic cards. So, um, you know, for example, let me just pull one here. I've got explore slash hermit druid. Oh, so, that <laughs> yeah, there, there's some there's some really powerful effects that that go on in in this cube, and I we'll get into all that I think um, as we move forward. But that at least now you know as we talk about split card cube, where people have a point of reference and understand what what that means, because it just sort of sounds like if you, if you don't have a, a frame of reference. Yeah, it's just no. like, I remember when I you were talking about a lot of the cards, like where also uh, every card is half. Spell and have half permanent, half spell. Right. Oh, okay. Spell. So there's not. It's not spell, spell or permanent, permanent. It's all spell slash permanent. I think there's the, the important thing uh, that that we that I have here is that there's no permanent permanence because you always want to know like what's on the board and that you know it's hard enough to look at your hand and and try and pick which spell to cast. But if you're trying to remember what's on the board and you know what's in play and what's not in play, obviously like right. that. That's just even more brain power. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's that's, that's so, a very good consideration. And there's, the, but there are some exceptions. And one of the, one, I think, it was one of the first cards you told me about was uh, dramatic pause. Uh, was nice. <laughs> <laughs> sweet terramorphic expanse. So, so basically, you can sacrifice your terramorphic expanse to go get a land, and then bring it back to your, your, your hand every turn. And then the other exception is, um, I mean, that card's insane, right? Uh, oh yeah, it's definitely yeah. one of the. Okay. One of the first picks in the queue. Well, there's also, uh, what's that? The uh, Evolving Wilds Bridge from below? Right. That's just beautiful. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then you're like, you know, because the funny thing is, you, I saw, I remember seeing you and some other people drafting, but I figured you guys were just cubing, and even then, I should have been like, hey, you guys are cubing, that's awesome. Right. Because, like, nobody else was cubing because cause of the scumbag who was trying to steal stuff and I was just like watching my stuff like a hawk I was just like had my hand on my cube like the entire time I'm like I'm not getting my stuff stolen I'm not getting stuff stolen that's part of the beauty of of this cube is you know if if it gets stolen I'm just out the cost of printing and you know the labor that goes into it because you know obviously I can't purchase these cards they don't exist so I you know they're all proxies yeah they want to steal it's like the idiot who stole my proxy plateau (laughs) (laughs) so stupid but yeah, I remember. Unfortunately, you were like, uh, you know, I actually have to go in like five minutes. I'm like, oh man, I totally would have. But you know, exchange info, like you gave me your card, and then like, uh, you know, your Twitter information, whatever. I'm just like, right. this is insane. And then I think I ended up leaving a few, like maybe an hour or so later, because the drive was like six hours or something. I'm just thinking about it the entire week. I'm like, dude, dude, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, let's. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we get some examples? Let's do a crack a pack with uh, Stuart's cube, and let's see if we can make uh, both ours and our listeners' heads explode here with trying to figure out what it is to do. Uh, and I think that'll be give us, you know, a really good frame of reference, so we kind of know what what's going on here. Sure. Um, so, so why don't I do this? I'll just pull these cards out, and we'll crack the pack, and then we can. I, I can get your first blush impression, and then maybe tell you a little bit about what that actual how the games actually play out. So, and then sure. maybe we can go back and revisit it and see what if you want to change your mind. 
So, okay, the first card we got here is um, Thrill of the Hunt slash Windswept Heath. Okay, so that's a land spell split card there. Um, then we have Force of Will, Palancron. Okay. The third card is Conqueror's Pledge, Elite Vanguard. Um, Sever the Bloodline, Visara the Dreadful. Uh, this one's spicy. It's Root Awakening, Fast Bond. Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, and it gets better from there. Here's Death Denied, Library of Alexandria. Oh, God, yeah, that's... yeah. For, for <laughs> people who play uh, real magic, Death Denied uh, is a black, black X, return X creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Oh, it's arcane, too. It's so relevant. <laughs> it, is ar- it is arcane. I don't actually know if that is relevant or not. It is, and I was just being sarcastic. Okay. <laughs> it's possible. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here's Cunning Wish, Jay Spellerin. And the way I play Cunning Wish is it gets any one vintage legal card, so not, um, you know, you can't make up a split card of your own to get. Including cards that are already in your deck, so you can just basically name Yeah, just, just name any card. card. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. I- See, the way I was going to do it was sideboard. Wow, that's really good then. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, it's, the wishes are pretty solid. But that okay. I, I'm sort of back and forth on whether to keep them in just because I think that people end up sort of thinking for a long right, time. Yeah, just, it, right, just slows things down a yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. So th- there's some I want to get the perfect card. Exactly. It's like mental magic. It's like, what three triple blue card do I need for this? Uh... Is Spelljack one of them? I don't even know. Spelljack? <laughs> yes. Okay, sweet. <laughs> um, next up, a split-split card. Bassless Color, Dead Gone. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was mine. I was going to ask that question at some point in time. Are we having multiple split cards, like split mul- split multiple ways? Absolutely. I even have um, Who, What, Where, When, Why. Oh, thank one, you. My thank one you silver bordered card, which actually is a little problematic because the uh, it's so small that I don't actually know what any of those things do. <laughs> <laughs> the card. We had to look it up on the iPhone the other day. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, next up is Army of the Dan Skin Render. little flashback. Um, here's a really solid one, Eureka, Avenger of Zendikar. Um, next up, Smallpox, Shambling Shell. Dredge back your smallpox, cast it again. Right, right. Um, Factor Fiction, Venser, Shaper, Savant. Okay. Ignite Memories, Lotus Bloom. Interesting. Impulse, Glenelendra, Archmage. Hmm. And then we have Slave of Bolas, Nickel Bolas, Planeswalker. So many Boluses. Mm-hmm. Yes. A little flavor Not- match there. Wow. Slava, could have had Slava Bolas, Lane and Bola. <laughs> I also have Akroma, Akroma's Vengeance, uh, and Sunder, Sundering Titan is a, a couple other little cute. <laughs> or like a Marshall's Anthem, Marshall's uh, Marshall Poo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that one I didn't even realize what I was doing until I had it printed off. I think oh, I wow. just feel like, hey, this is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and when you, I was like... Dude, you have to post that, and you have to tag Marshall from Limited Resources when you do it. Because <laughs> you've been posting a, a couple of, like, little teasers of cards. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to post 
one every day or every other other day when I'm when I'm too busy to get into it. But um, hopefully, I'll continue doing that. And yeah. we'll. I, sh- I I also have a, a public link to the list. So uh, after the the cast, if people want to get on and and look at the list and maybe try and make their own, they can they can do that as well. Yeah, I'll, I'm writing a reminder. Uh, po- get you know, link to. Uh, split card cube list. Right. Oh yeah. I guess. I guess. I. I didn't ask if you guys could post that, but I assumed. Oh, uh, obviously. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I. I can't actually write on your blog for you. Oh. Um. Jeez. I'm still trying to think of what to do. Like. <laughs> I think if it's with the rule that you can take any. You know, with the uh, the wishes. Like, if it's any whatever instance, I'd probably go with that. But I mean, I, I have, I have, I'll admit, I have a hard time like just not picking Library of Alexandria. I don't even care if it has another side. Yeah, I was thinking that too, but I don't know. I figure the power of having the Cunning Wish seems really—it's like you know, super Swiss Army knife. Yeah, the other the other things that stick out to me that would be really powerful strategies are anything, any cards that you can use multiple times. For example, the smallpox shambling shell. You're like smallpox, bring it back to my hand. Uh, I, I, you know, crack my windswept teeth and then flashback thrill of the hunt. Anything like that where you can just get, like, a lot of value out of it being in multiple zones is, are, are things that, you know, I'm definitely attracted to. However, just knowing the power of libraries of Alexandria, I just literally don't care if it has another side or not. And, I, I mean, I, I actually, at this point, I'll just point out um, that since every card has a permanent and a spell on it, the density of creatures in graveyards is much higher, and when, you, when you're when raised deading out of the graveyard, you're actually getting back spells in your hand. Right, so if you draw, for so, example, if you draw this death denied late also, you're just like, oh, I'm just going to... I'll get know, back plow on X cards, you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, like even from this pack, you're like, all right, well, I'm going to get back, you know... The uh, box. Right, Shambling Shell, Glenelandra Archmage, you know, uh, Palancron... In order so I can counter your spell next turn, you know, like stuff like that, you know, Vasara. So uh, to me, it just seems like, you know, especially with that in mind, it, you know, talking about the high creature density for me, it's just got to be Death Denied uh, Library of Alexandria. Because even if I'm not black, I just don't care. It's just well, because I have a library now. Yeah. And one thing I was telling Stuart was I like that it's not the Death Denied isn't splashable, so you can't just go, oh, I'll play like three islands and then just have access to a super raised deck. Sure. Or you get right. that side, you have to be somewhat committed. Although, still, library is library. Like, it's still really good. I mean, I don't exactly. think you're ever leaving it in your sideboard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if you're not black, you're certainly playing it. But I tried to make it powerful enough that, that, that the other side, that um, a black mage would actually get something out of it. Yeah. Now, as a, so, for me, all right. So, for me, if we're if you're talking about it now, I'm taking my one pick out of this pack would be library, death denied, uh, my two pick is probably um, between uh, Cutting Wish, Jace Balarin, and uh, Smallpox Shambling Shell. Because just getting back Smallpox every turn just seems so good. So good. Those are probably my... That, that's probably the order in which I would take them. <coughs> cool. Knowing what I know now, which may be different in, you know... <laughs> in a minutes. few minutes. <laughs> right. Well, I'll, I'll just describe the way I think the metagame from the, the games that we've played and the drafts that we've done, how it's, it's actually sort of evolved as a format and how 
uh, the decks actually seem to be coming together. And there, I mean, there are some unique traits that sort of open up because of the permanent, non-permanent split. And uh, some of that I've already mentioned, things like conditions being easier to, to meet. So things like um, Death and I become a lot better because getting, you know, it's much easier to find creatures in your graveyard. Um, and by the same token, it's much easier to get things into your graveyard because, you know, if you cast Impulse, you're putting Glenelendra Archmage into your graveyard, you know. So... The graveyard is so big. a lot faster. Tarmogoyf is, yes, a big man in this yeah. format. Very and, like, uh, <laughs> at first I was, like, when I was making the list, I'm like, Boneyard Worm, and, like, I don't know about this guy, and then I was like, oh, never mind. Well, right, so, I mean, so there's any sort of, any sort of uh, Lorgoyf-type card, whether it's Lorgoyf itself, Mortivore, uh, what, what's the, the equipment one? Yeah, Bone Horde. Bone Horde, yes. Yeah, Bone Horde. You know, all, all those cards seem to go up significantly in value. You know, things where graveyard matters. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's, you know, a, a lot easier to have matter with, with this sort of thing since we're just getting so many different types of permanence. Also, too, I imagine cards uh, that bring things back from your graveyard hand, so say something like an Academy Ruins, has a much wider scope as well. I Yeah, and I actually uh, don't have Academy Ruins in here just for the fact that you can return a, an artifact to the top of your deck and cast it every turn. Um, oh, right. I, I think that that might, maybe, that might push, A, push the boundaries of power, but more importantly, it's really going to constrict, like, what cards I can... I, I have to look at every artifact and see, like, would I be okay with the other half of this artifact being cast every single turn? And, right. you know, I don't think Academy Ruins in particular adds enough to the cube or the fun factor for it to be worth sort of distorting the rest of the, d- the design of the cube. Well, it's kind right. of like uh, what they should have well, done with Batterskull. Fetchland is, is pretty ridiculous, right. too. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, what they probably should have, like, I think in development when they were going to make Batterskull, like, well, this probably seems really good with Stoneport, and they're like, eh, it'll be okay. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> right. Or at least that's how the story goes, I think. I, and, I mean, you're right. Absurd things do happen. But I, I think I wanted to set up big moments that were interactive and where you were choosing between the other half, the two halves of the card a lot. And, sure. and I feel like casting, if you're just playing, um, you know, a spell site, so, spell skite so you can cast the other half of it over and over and over again, you know, and you never actually intend on casting the, the artifact half of it, that's, you know, that's not really a fun game state, in my mind. Sure. Yeah, there's yeah. no uh, tension. It's just like, oh, yeah. just play this, just play this, whatever. Right, right, right. So, Usman, what are you thinking for, for your pick here? And then we'll hear, uh, we'll, we'll get Stuart's, uh, Stuart's pick out of this pack, and, and we can talk to him more about where where this all came from. I'll probably stick with what I said before, Cunning Wish, Jace, because of the flexibility, and then, like, Library, and then after that, I don't know, uh, Rude Awakening Fast Bond seems really good, just because it seems like it's flexible and, you know, flexible early and late game and whatever. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got. <laughs> I got nothing again. Polygram Force of Will is really interesting, too, because if you just have four mana available, you're like, oh, let me pick up this counter spell. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Right. Wow. That's pretty sick. <laughs> and, I mean, you'd be surprised how many times you can get somebody with something that's on the board. For example, you know, this Windsweep Heath, even if it's in play, nobody's thinking about Thrill of the Hunt getting flashback. Oh, even if they're looking through your graveyard, it's like a combat trick that's hidden on the board. 
you know. And that's it, like playing around Thrill of the Hunt anyway was so hard. It's just like right, hey, it's just like great. Now I got to play around this stupid thing, and it's just like well, they can just literally do it, get it any time. And I would say that land spells in the cube are really, really good, just because you know if you if you get a certain density of land spells, then you only have to play like six to ten basics, and you're never going to get flooded. It's just not, you know, because any, any non-basic land you draw is also a spell. Out of, out of curiosity, are you running uh, <coughs> Crucible of Worlds? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I know you're not <laughs> running like that could be. Though. It seems like that could be fairly abusive as well, like especially with, like, you know, the windswept teeth. Like, it's enough of a, you know, a beating when you're like, Oh, bring it, you know, oh, bring it back, bring it back, or whatever. But if there are other land spell combinations that, you know, I think that the, you could take advantage of that might be, might be, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, I think actually a bigger problem might be a Karoo land played out of the graveyard, like Golgari Rock Farm, return it to my hand, catch Putrefy next turn. Right. Oh, like, wow. Rock Farm, return it to my hand, you know. Right. So something like so, that, exactly, that can be, can be kind of abusive. There's a so, lot of, Little interactions like that that aren't necessarily visible on the future in the, on the surface. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember when we first built the cube, I had life from the Lomina because I love that card. But the first oh, time I passed it and got back three spells, I I I I think I just conceded to them and uh, yeah. the card from the cube instantly uh, because clearly it was you know ancestral recall with dredge. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> well then, are you? Are you still going to try, a, what's it, Tilling Tree Folk, like we are talking about, I think? Uh, yeah, I think that one would would not cross the line, because it's just you, a one-time effect. Yeah, and for you, you have to work playing along, it's a two-mana, or it's two and a green for a one-three. When it enters the battlefield, you can get two lands from your grave from your hand, which is still really good, but not, like, super abusive. <laughs> so, I think for my pick out of this pack, um, I... I Definitely don't think you would be wrong to pick Library Death Denied. Uh, super solid card. I'm really hard pressed not to take um, the Ignite Memories Lotus Bloom out of this. Oh pack. right, right, because the 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 multiple sides it counts as the sum. Right. So I mean, if you look at some of the split cards, so if you have this Eureka Avengers Endicar and you reveal it off of uh, an Ignite Memories trigger, then you're taking seven and four. Because it has both converted mana costs, I see. so you know if you if you suspend Lotus Bloom on turn one, right, it takes down. You let the last suspend counter come off, and in response to the trigger, you cast a bunch of spells. Then Ignite Memories comes off the stack. The Lotus Bloom comes off the suspend, and you can cast it as Ignite Memories. I see. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely and, missed that interaction. Yeah, exactly. And there a lot of a lot of mechanics sort of work that way. And you know that's a real ruling because Jar of the Gitu exists, and sure. you can actually do oh. that with cards. Um, but that you know that there there are a lot of hidden interactions with things like that, or like rebound, um, uh, buyback kind of buyback. Yeah, I mean. And, and flashback, I, I think, is a little more obvious, but, you know, still, just mechanics behave a little differently in the environment. So, you know, personal preference, I really like Drafting Storm, and I might take the Ignite Memories here. Um, the other card that I would seriously consider would be Eureka Avenger of Zendikar. Um, because, oh, right. Just because I found that Eureka is 
possibly the best strategy in this cube, or it, it's been there has been a Eureka deck in every draft I've done. Because every single card there are is permanent. <laughs> that's certainly part of it. And there are enough just redundant effects that cheat things and big creatures into play throughout the cube uh, that I think it's possible to to get one of them every draft. Hmm. And you do, I mean, and you are running all like uh, Ulamog, Kozilek, and uh, whatever the big big. I, I mean, I have a yeah, ton of baddies in here. There's also Elish Norn, Terracidon, Inkwell. Um, so you know, pretty much. Ooh, are you playing? Are you playing Blood Oath? Yeah, yeah, Blood Oath is on okay. uh, Mox Ruby. Okay, yeah, because you just like Blood Oath, and you like your chance of hitting is so much higher because of all the all the card types in their hands. Yeah, so the I mean the red burn spells do a lot of burst damage. Um, so you have things like there's no dark confidant again because of the converted monocost thing, but you do have erratic explosion. I was just going to say, do we have erratic explosion? I was just about to mention that. In fact, every effect that every card that duplicates the erratic explosion effect is in the cube, except I think kaboom. Um, Ooh, kaboom. That only targets players, and mainly I think I just overlooked it. What is so the there? Uh, a cypher no, product I like that Billy Mays was hacking back in the day? No, no, that's a different kind of Kaboom. <laughs> no, Kaboom is a card that we used in our Type 4 stack all the time. Oh, okay, it's just so a, it's... Uh, an awesome, an awesome, basically you choose any number of players, and then you reveal, if I remember correctly, you reveal cards off the top of your deck, like one, until you reveal a non-land card. Yeah. And it basically busts everybody for the, the casting cost of that card. Huh. Yeah, that would be So good. basically, yeah, so the Oracle text is choose any number of target players. For each of those players, reveal cards from the top of your deck until you reveal a non-land, and it deals damage equal to that person. So basically, it's kind of like dealing uh, face cards in blackjack. You're just like, boom, 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 boom. You take 5, 12, 7, 8. <laughs> wow. Sort of a multiplayer variant on the, on the yeah. um, erotic explosion idea. Yep. Wow. Pretty sick. Yep, yep, yep. That card seems like it'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Also. Jeez. That's pretty, that's pretty thing. <laughs> and it has an exclamation point in the card name. How many cards can really say that? Not too many. Right, because it's kaboom. Not that's fine. Kaboom. Not just kaboom. Let, let's see. Right. Oh, man. I guess I had to put it in quotes. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out. Oh, uh, 18 cards. Yeah, there's some nice ones. I have an Italian uh, Swords to Plowshares that has an exclamation point in the name. Some of these have ex- some of these foreign, like Bar the Door, like Ooh. that exclam as like Barricades La Porta, and that has exclamation point or <laughs> all these like yeah, all these French cards. <laughs> you have to that's... dig pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, some of these are just foreign, and it's like Centro is Italian for Deadshot. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Trivia facts you learn on the third power. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's get a... So now that we have our picks, let's get a little bit of background here from Stuart on kind of where, how he arrived at this and, like, where it, where it came from, where his experiences. Now, Stuart, before this, did, what is your experience with cubing? Were you cubing a lot before this, or was this um, kind of once you heard of it, then you decided to start doing this, or... Well, I, yeah. I started playing Magic in, like, 1995, so I think I was, like, 10 years old at the time. Nice. And I've been playing pretty much nonstop ever since. I think my my friends and I started cubing around 2003 or 2004. Oh, wow. Which was, okay. like, 
right at the right at the beginning of I think when it was starting to to surface on people's consciousness. And I don't I think we didn't even realize that it was something that other people were doing. We just sort of like we we started by building packs out of whatever the limited environment was because none of us had any money <laughs> and drafting out of those. And eventually we were like, why are we making brand new you know, sets of cards every single time we do this. Let's just keep them all in a box. And, um, you know, as as more sets came out, we added more. And, you know, rather than cut anything, we ended up actually just errating cards. To, so it's like, this card's not good enough for the cube. Should we take it out? No, let's just write on it. Make it do something ridiculous. So I think I think from the beginning, I've had sort of like a, a skewed view on on the cube format and sort of like a out-of-the-box approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I moved to Atlanta, um, probably 2007 and was cubing up here for several years. Um, and we basically just had a lot of different types of boxes in the area. Uh, so we, you know, we have a combo box and we have several, you know, boxes with errata and boxes that, uh, we have just, you know, just the straight powered cube, non-powered cube, et cetera. And we've played basically every single kind of format, but it would still, you know, occasionally I would get up to the to the gaming pit before everyone else, and um, uh-huh, you know, I wouldn't have a box to cube with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I decided to to make my own, but because we already had so many niches filled, um, I had to to think out of the box again. Um, and what I went back to was some of the old errata cubes that back in my college days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, you know, we had we had the card um, Persecute in the box at the time. And my friend needed it for a deck or, you know, some multiplayer deck or a, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he ended up taking it out of the box and he just wrote Persecute across a Necrologia. Um, oh, wow. Someone else drew the Necrologia, drafted it, put it in their deck, uh, and realized that they did not want to cast it as Persecute. They wanted to cast it as Necrologia. And so so they just decided it should be a Persecute Necrologia split card. <laughs> wow. And so I think I think that's sort of where the genesis, the sort of like root thought of all of it came from. Um <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> kind insane. of a convoluted huh. um genesis, I think. Well, yeah, but but I mean it completely makes sense how it how it got that way. That's it's pretty kind cool. of like uh those stories, like how the I think it was how the onion ring got invented. It was like some it was like in Texas, and like somebody accidentally put onions in the batter, and was just like, oh well, whatever, I'll just stick it in the fryer, and then mm-hmm. you know put it in the fryer, took it out, and then somebody tried it, like I guess our manager or whatever, some dude tried it and was like, this is amazing, and then uh, then you had, that's how we have onion rings, right? And even though the persecute necrologia split card was never really very good. It was always kind of fun to have in a pack, and and I just remembered that when it came time to make my cube and um, sort of expanded the idea. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> that is... Wow. Damn. My mind is blown again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Strange how these things come to that me. That is awesome. Now, uh, so when it, as far as, you know... Now we have the idea where you're sitting down and you're like, okay, well, it's time to officially make this split card cube. 
Um, obviously, we've you know we've we've learned or I've learned for sure that you know you always pair you know permanent with non-permanent for the very good reason of you know being able to tell what's in play and what's not. But how do you decide? What other factors do you consider when you pair cards together? Like for example, the thing I thought about is you know do you want to make uh, on one half is are there any considerations to well both halves are for the aggressive decks or one half is available to all decks and one half is a specific archetype deck or, you know, basically what theaters should, is there any consideration of theater, like aggro, aggro all the time, like like theaters or purposely opposite theaters? You know, uh, how do you, how did you come up with that? Um, you, you know, I tried to just make sure that every card sort of had a home and a deck that it made sense in. You know, I didn't want like a, Isamaru Wrath of God split card that that you know probably somebody's going to draft that card and then only end up wanting to play one half of it. You know what okay. I mean? Like you're going to okay. play this Wrath of God ninety percent of the time, or worse, you know, like the control player really wants that Wrath of God, uh, and the aggro player picks up the Isamaru and ends up hating him even though he has no interest. You know, so he's basically accidentally hate drafting. I see. Without even meaning to. Um, so, oh, so right. I, I just right. although, sure although if you're an sense. aggressive deck though, Wrath of God's a pretty good card to hate. Well, to be fair. true. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I, I want every card in the deck to be something that you might play at some point. You okay. know, and that, I mean that's even a problem now with some of the artifacts. Like you know, you're gonna take Worm Coil Engine for Worm Coil Engine, not for the other half of it necessarily, but. I, I just wanted to minimize you know, like library, that, you know? Like, for example, like library, you're taking library because it's library, but then there's also, I, I think you did a good job with that card, especially because it's like, well, if you don't draw library at a place where library is useful, then this other half is <clears> you know, likely useful because of its application in this format. So right. I do, I do like what you did with that one. Obviously, I'd have to look at the rest of them and, and actually do my homework a little bit more to see what other ones, what other kind of pairings there are. But I guess that makes sense. I have tried to make sure that, that the cards in the deck fill different roles. They want to be in the same basic deck, but they don't do the same thing. You know, I wouldn't want, like, a skin render terror card, for example, because they, they basically okay. are the same thing. Just one of them has a body attached. So, I, you know, in that sense, I've tried to make things that were related in terms of the archetype that they might go in, but but not... So samey that you don't feel like you're actually making a decision. Okay, fair enough. Now earlier you mentioned, and it was my feel free to jump in here too, but this this was on my mind. You mentioned a couple of cute interactions, you know, like the uh, Marshall Coup, Marshall's Anthem, which actually I think work very well together, as it turns out. Um, but are are there any other? Did you intentionally make? Uh, are there cute combinations? Are there cards that you paired together like, okay, well, this is a spell that draws a card, so let's have a creature that draws a card. Like, you know, was there any consideration towards uh, having fun with making the, the split cards? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think there used to be a lot more of that, but at some point, you know, playability is really more important than how cute my cards are designed. Um so, like, I think I still have a couple holdovers from that. For example, right now, I think um, uh, Deranged Hermit is paired with Acorn Harvest. You know, <laughs> it's kind of cute, 
But it's not, like, I don't think anyone has ever actually cast Acorn Harvest. Sure. You know? So, it, well, so, they, or they cast Hermit, and then they flash back the Acorn Harvest whenever. Right. Okay. But, but, I mean, but at the same time, you can't have every card be the sort of interaction that affects the game mechanically because because of what the other card is. So, for, you know, like the Ignite Memory is Lotus Bloom. Like, not every card can be that synergistic within itself. So in places where, you know, rather than just slap, um, you know, Eternal Witness on a Hunter's Insight, which, I, you know, that's one of the cards, but, like, why not pair something with it that at least is sort of thematically related or, or you know, is a little cute, like a Sunder, Sundering Titan, or, um, you know, I think at one point I had Genesis, Genesis Wave, but obviously I think <laughs> returning I like something off Genesis was a little was a little silly, so that didn't make it. Yeah, like once you see it in action a couple times, you're like, all right, this is dumb. Time to right. move on and, get, and, and replace it with something else. Oh, right. I like that interaction. <laughs> um, well, you know, and and I think there's a lot of raised dead effects in the cube already, and, it, you know, it used to be much more degenerate than it is now because I've actually cut some of the cards that were just, like, really frustrating when people would cast them over and over again. Like, you know, the, when you have Ancestral Recall cast for the third time in a game, it, it gets a little frustrating. So, I, I, you know, by cutting some of these more powerful cards that, that I don't want to have cast over and over and over again, you know, Time Walk, Time Warp, etc., um, I think, you know, maybe a card like Genesis, maybe there is room for it now. But, it, again, it's that sort of idea that it's going to restrict... I'm going to have to pay really close attention to how I'm pairing cards with each other if I do it that way. Sure. And I just... You know, Genesis isn't that much fun in my mind to where it's worth um, sort of the sacrifices I'll have to make in other places. Right. Like, yeah, Academy Ruins. Exactly. Now, I, I'd have to think more about this, but I wonder if, if there is currently or if there will be in the future, um, <clears throat> and I can't think of any currently, so they might not exist, um, cards that you could pair with, super powerful cards that actually have a negative effect to try to balance the uh, to try to balance the two out. Do you know what I mean? Like for example, uh, if there were a card, you know, I'm just going to theorize here. If there were a card that said, you know, if this card's in your graveyard, you know, take two during your upkeep, and you pair mm-hmm. it with ancestral recall. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I wonder yeah, if it's like possible to, to do it things out. like that. Right. I, I don't I just know don't if, know if there's any cards that do that. Right. I'm, sort of, I'm like kind of racking know. my brain because there are definitely cards that are awful. You know, things like Sorrow's Path and things path. like that. But I'm just, I, I'm trying to think if there's any way that you could... But it has if to be awful anyway without casting it. Opponent, right, that's what I mean. Yeah. And I, I don't know if there's... I don't think there, if there are any that exist, maybe there are some uncards that do that. Yeah, I don't know of any now, but, you know, if they print some in the future, I, you know, I would certainly consider that sort of... I, I think, you know, Wizards doesn't really like printing actively painful cards for the player who played them. Right, but, you know, maybe there's something, you know, in the future, maybe there's some design space for, hey, here's this really powerful effect, but here's the right. here's the drawback to it, that if it sits right. in your graveyard, it's this is what's going to happen to you, you know what I mean? Like, every turn that this is in your graveyard, you have to mill yourself for, you know, three or four or something, you know? Or, like, take yourself or whatever. Right, I mean, I'm sure, I feel like there's some design space there, and I, like I said, I, that's just a thought that I had that it might be interesting to... Uh, Maybe you can combine it with, like, Justin Parnell's Custom Cube. Maybe they have cards like that. Oh, that would be sick. Custom Split Custom Card Cube. Oh, my God. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, take eight hours because everyone would have to read everything. <laughs> oh God, yeah. yeah. I guess this uh, brings me to a question. I think I had it later in the show notes, but uh, have you ever found like when people draft your split cube, do they ever have like I don't know, maybe kind of decision paralysis or just kind of like go, uh, what do I do? Like I'm assuming that happens with first time drafters, but yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think the first time we drafted it, like everyone was sort of like that, and I, you know, it wasn't helped by the the fact that the first time I ever proxied this up, everything was just the name of the card and the casting cost on a post-it note. Yeah, I around this year. Yeah. I mean, that, especially in that iteration where you didn't have pictures or anything for shortcutting, was like a complete mental drain to sort of try and puzzle through a game. Um, but I think it's sort of, if you, if you sort of think about, you know, your first time drafting a new big set, right? That first time you do a draft, it's a lot oh, slower than, you know, down the line. And it's sort of the same thing with this. Like, you, you get a sense for which cards you like and, and how they work together. And you you sort of start to memorize the cards in the same way that you just do with a, with a normal magic set. And it, I, I think, to, to me, like, the drafting and the playing of the game, situations sort of present themselves that make the choices, if not obvious, you know, you're not really ever choosing between... 14 cards in your hand, you're choosing between maybe two or three. Um, but what's really actually hard is is building your deck. Oh, because, God. I mean, can you imagine trying to sort a convert, uh, like a monocurve out of cards where everything has uh, two, uh, 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 two, uh, two different, right, two yeah. different places on your curve where you could possibly cast it? So I usually just choose, like, either the one I think I'm going to cast the most often or, like, the worst, if, if I'm in an emergency, I'll, I'll have to cast it this way. And, and you know, th- that's sort of offset by the fact that because everything has two casting costs, your your draws are a lot smoother. So uh, how dangerous is Dark Confidant in this cube if it's in there? Uh, it is not in there, but uh, I can tell you that I dealt 12 to my opponent with Erratic Explosion on Friday. So I, I would be very cautious <laughs> if you want to put Dark Confidant in this cube. Yeah, you have to have Errata... I think that might be what Wizards well, calls a skill tester. Yeah, the the other oh, half what would have to be some like ridiculous life gain that you could get with black or whatever. Yeah. So like you have some way to you know get some cards early and then try to recoup so you don't just get crushed. Or a way to cycle it like add a staple of cycling card on it or whatever. Yeah, I think that card would kill you much more often in this format than than in an average format. Oh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> now, are there any other cards that you've mentioned, Life from the Loam and Genesis? Um, what other cards have you found that have just been completely overpowered that need to get out? You know, something for me that comes to mind is, like, Yawgmoth's Will. Which is so, absurd. Yawgmoth's Will is really good, but I, it's sort of... I, I haven't found it to be just, like, degenerate in the same way. Um, you know, like, we used to have sort of light... Uh, or sort of light and shadow in there, and again that was a situation where you're you know you hit your opponent you get back a stone rain or a terror or something, and then you you know you're never gonna not hit again with that and it just uh, locks the game out. So those are the kind of cards that I don't want. Yagmos will is a one shot burst and it you know it may win you the game, but you know it, I don't know it creates cooler situations in my mind than just locking someone down with the sort of light fire. Sure, just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, yeah, I get you. Huh? Now, I get you. If, 
I, I, I am keeping my eye on a lot of these cards. I mean, I've played with this cube a lot, but still not to the point where I can definitively say, like, that card's fine, that card's, you know, completely broken, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think everything at this point is still on the watch list, to, in a sense. Um, but but so, some, some things that have come up um, that I've had to sort of pull back on are, like, you know, if raised dead effects are good, then just imagine, like reanimation spells. Oh I, yeah. I mean, you can get a chroma in the graveyard by cycling a chroma's vengeance on turn three, um, and that's you know without a discard outlet. So you don't even need a discard outlet to play reanimator in this cube. Mm-hmm. For that reason, I've I, I have made sure that the reanim- reanimation spells um, start at four. The exception being like exhum because it's really hard to control. Or, like, right. Life Death is in there just because it's a split card, you know? Um, so, yeah, reanimation is something I really had to watch. And then another thing that I, I've sort of been keeping my eye on is, like, when a card is paired with something else that might make it a problem. So, for example, like, the card Time Warp in and of itself that is, you know, pretty fair, just take an extra turn for five mana, but, like, if you put it on a creature then it's very easy for a black-blue deck to just chain Time Warps together by raise deading over and over and over again. Oh, jeez. Uh, like, I, I, and I, in Nashville, I've since changed Time Warp to not be on um, Riftwing Cloudscape, is what it used to be on. But, you know, I would suspend it on turn two. It would come off on turn five, which, you know, that's pretty solid, but it's not, you know, going to break completely break the game open uh, in this format. But But then I was able to just sort of chain it together over and over again. I think I took four turns in a row, and I, at that point I think I was like, okay, maybe um, Time Warp does not need to be on a creature spell. Well, uh, it was something like Volrath Stronghold, I, I imagine, right. too. Just like, okay, I have board advantage, so I'm just <laughs> going to take all the rest of the turns. Yeah, Volrath Stronghold, another one that sort of falls into that Genesis uh, slash Academy Ruins um, category of not being in the cube just for that same reason. Um, and then I have chosen in my version of the cube to include Cascade cards just because Ooh. I think that they're like That's really how fun. fun. Cascade's oh. really fun, just in general. Oh, yeah. In the, I mean, the way that Cascade works is if you Cascade into either yeah, you side, can use both half. Pass, you can cast either half. Yeah, it's um, like a Blood Braid into Boom Bust. Haha. Well, yeah, or a research development or whatever. Right. And so this is a, a, a card. Uh, like a situation in which I took the opposite approach to this sort of Genesis slash Academy Runs approach where I really did have to design in a way that three-card Cascade spells did not hit Ulamog or Terastodon, you know? And that previous iteration of the cube, I mean, it did happen. Um, (laughs) I I wasn't careful enough with it. And so someone someone Cascaded into Ulamog, and it was just sort of like eye roll. Uh, demonic dread into into Ulamog or whatever. I, I mean, it, and it got to the point where you know you would just first like slam any Cascade spell down, and I think they're still really good. And I would oh. still not be unhappy to first pick a Cascade spell. In the, I imagine in, you're not going to include because of the extra design time it would take the the new double Cascade guy that they released. Actually, uh, I, I put that in actually in mine. Like, I heard you like Cascade. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, I made one too. And uh, by the way, words of the wise, it takes a while to do. So if you feel like doing this, no, it'll take a while. But I put 
Because uh, I was talking with Stuart about it. Uh, Maelstrom Wanderer? Is that his name? Yeah, Maelstrom Wanderer and Guided Passage. I, I actually took your suggestion on that one. I've, I printed it out as well. I don't know if I'll ever cast Guided Passage, but, you know, you'd be surprised when you find yourself casting spells that, that you don't think they'll ever cast in this cube. And that, I think that's actually another added benefit, uh, is that you get to play cards in cube that are really situational, that you might never get to cast in Magic otherwise. Like, Heartless, or Hitsugu's second right is actually really solid in the red deck. You're never gonna main deck that in a normal cube da- draft. You would never actually have it in your cube to begin with. Oh, but if someone's at 10, oh man. <laughs> and no man exactly. burn. And it's just sort of, you know, what feels better than second writing your opponent out? Yeah, I may or may not have won a match at regionals one year <laughs> because of Hitsugu's second right. And it's uh, it's stapled onto Zozu the Punisher, right? Uh, Sulfur Elemental. Oh, okay, right, right. Okay, but just a solid like red guy that you're, you know, you want to play him. So yeah, and if they, and and if they just happen to be at ten, it's like okay, kill you. Right. Good, but then you get to ask. You got to here. You get to ask the the question that nobody playing against red wants to hear, which is, "What are you at?" Yeah, that's my favorite. It's like, uh-oh. It's like, oh, here we go. Or, like, how many cards are in your hand? And your opponent's in black, and it's like, crap. Yeah, how many cards do you have? Well, at least that's not, you know, triple saviors draft. How many cards are in your hand? How many cards are in your hand? How many cards are in your hand? Oh, God. Sounds way better than that. That would be Speaking of uh, how many cards are in your hand, Mind Twist's another one that, um, you know, was in the cube, and I've since cut it. Just Really, that's more of a personal preference, just because I don't find that to create fun games. Amen, brother. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> um, it, it used to be, actually, the the most ridiculous card I've ever had in the box might have been um, Black Lotus Mind Twist was a split card oh. for a while. Because wow. the thinking, I think, was just sort of like, well, you know, they have to choose. They can't. At least they can't Black Lotus you into Mind Twist until the first time someone cast Yawgmoth Will and did that <laughs> to me. <laughs> Jeez. That's pretty broken. So I've cut the, you know, Lotus, Mind Twist, and Ancestral are not in, but, you know, like, the rest of the power is. So it's somewhere weirdly in between a power cube and an unpowered cube. What about a Sol Ring? Sol Ring yeah. isn't. Yes. What is, uh, what is, out of curiosity, what is paired with Sol Ring? Uh, time Stretch? Mystical Tutor, which oh, is basically right. just Demonic Tutor. Um, or Vampire right. Tutor that can deal you damage, since everything is an instant or sorcery. Right, because everything has a spell half. Right. Oh, so. Yeah, that card's insane, then. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Right. <laughs> still, still very good, but, you know, at least... I, I, I don't feel as demoralized when my opponent plays a Soul Ring as when they mind twist me. Yeah. Um, but then you can't do anything. It's just like, you have a chance to recover when they cast a Soul Ring. It's like, okay, I guess I can, you know, I can maybe deal with that. And then they mind twist your hands like, oh. Right, or they they mind twist you for three when you have five cards in hand and they hit, you know, your three lands and you're like, Oh fun. Go. Yeah. Go. Go. And to, I mean by this well while we're talking about that, I I just feel like it's worth mentioning that I, I certainly don't think that all of these decisions are correct in my cube. Uh it's still very much a work in progress and um I mean if you think it's hard to design like a regular cube Oh, this has to be ridiculous. Yes, I, I have so much respect for for you just th- making the decision to do this and then going through with it and then continuing to go through with it to revise it and keep it, you know, trying to figure it out. I mean, it well, takes you a know, lot of effort. The truth is, once I proxied it up, it was, like, really... 
it was so exciting and fun to play with that I think there's no way I wasn't going to continue with it once I got that far, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I mean, I think everyone who's, who's even just, like, passed by the cube has had to stop for a minute and say something. And I, I mean, I think the general reaction has been really positive from from the community and anyone who's who's seen it, but um, I just wish more people had a chance to, to actually get in there and play with it. Well, hopefully after uh, we go live here, we um, talk it up a little bit. Maybe more people uh, will be printing them up. Uh, you know, we have quite a few uh, cube addicts that, that we talk to and who listen to the podcast who are willing to try, you know, almost anything if it's interesting and it, and it comes to cube. You know, so I, I'm sure we'll hopefully be getting a, a, a flood of more information, you know, for you after after a little while. Yeah, and I hope they do it, and I hope they follow through with it, because that, you know, when you when you do start to sort of, like, plot it out, you, you there is a lot that goes into it, as Usman can attest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been pretty much, like, because I did it in set editor, because I didn't, you know, have, like, Photoshop or GIMP or anything, I'm just like, oh, let's do this in set editor, it won't take too long, and it's just, like, making them, and then, like, resizing them, and then printing them, and then, like, putting the cards in, and it just takes a while to do, but it definitely seems like it'll be worth it, like, but yeah, it just takes, it's a, it's a, a lot more time-consuming than you, than you think it is, <laughs> just yeah. if you want to try it. This one sent me a, a message on Twitter, I think it was Thursday morning, and he was like, I, I'm getting my friends together, we're going to do a split card cube tonight, I'm proxying stuff up, and, you know, I was like, well, that seems ambitious, but I'm never going to be, you know, like, someone to tell you you're not going to do that. <laughs> There's no way. But I was I was just sort of like, okay, good luck. And, yeah. you know, sure enough, Thursday night, he's like, I'm not even two-fifths of the way done making the cards. But, you know, don't let that deter you, because I think if you do want to make this, then you have it really feels like your own thing, because you have, make so many decisions, and every card sort of, you put a lot of thought into every card. And so I think that, like, it becomes sort of like a really personal design project, and it, I feel like it's been really rewarding, so. Sure. Yeah, I just remember, like, when, it, when I first, when you first told me about the concept and, like, you were explaining it, I was just in, my mind is blown. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? But, yeah, definitely, because, like, when you're designing a cube, you're kind of designing your own set, but you don't have 100% control. Like, yeah. say if you needed another red drop, red two drop, I can't do anything about it. You know, I just had to wait for Wizards to make another good two, good red two drop. And with a split cube, you have more control. You don't have 100% control, but you get more. Like, if you want to say, I want to put in, uh, you know, I want to see how... I'm going to put more combo elements in this and see how that is. And by yeah. the way, you said, you said combo is good in this? Uh, yeah. I think that combo would be probably the dominant archetype. Huh. Yeah. More, I mean, like, you don't see that in regular cubes as much, but, like, I, I, I think if you're not trying to do something completely absurd in this cube, if you're just trying to draft, like, a blue-white sort of, like, mid-range control or, like, planeswalker controller or something, something that might be really good in an average cube, you're going to get blown out of the water in this cube, because somebody's just going to, you know, cast, uh, <clears throat> you know, Tinker, or, uh, you know, I don't have a good example, but... Well, you were telling me, uh, you were telling me before the podcast, uh, you were telling me before that you dealt 42 damage to somebody and still lost. Right. <laughs> um, 
And I, I, the way I did that was just casting explosive, um, sorry, erratic explosive explosion. Level, erratic explosion. That's what I'm looking for. I cast that and like um, some other iteration of that. Um, but he had um, the new flashback life gain, gnaw to the bone, um, which gained him over the course of the game gained him 24 life. So even though you know I was able to deal him 42 points with my mono red deck, it was still not enough. So I, I did end up um, winning the match in, thanks in part to um, Sulfuric Vortex. Pretty good against Nod to the Bone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as it turns out, Sulfuric Vortex is pretty good against decks <laughs> that are slower than your own. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a nice thing about making these proxies is learning stupid stuff like Twisted Abomination is a zombie barbarian. Not just a zombie. Oh, Zombie Barbarian, huh? Yeah, Cryptic, and uh, in the Koth versus Venser thing, you remember Cryptic Enilid? It was like a 1-4 sure. for 4, like Scry 1, Scry 2, Scry 3. Now it's a, it's, it before it was a beast, now it's a worm beast. Awesome, yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> well, the fact that Archon Ravager is a beast, not a construct. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah, that's yeah, you lost me on this on this creature type discussion. I I can't compete with this. Oh, I, I don't know. It's just random stuff. I <laughs> sleeping. I'm sleeping it up now. The split cube in mine. I just saw the twisted. And there's some really interesting interactions which you did, which is like a twisted abomination, Raven's crime. Yeah. Like I thought that was a really interesting interaction because it lets you build really inter- interesting interactions like that. I, and I mean, actually, like twisted abomination just in and of itself can. The fact that it's swamp cycling as opposed to, like, basic land cycling means it can go pick up a bayou which has, like, a maelstrom pulse on it, you know? So, uh, oh, yeah, that's super interaction. Like, to, anything that tutors is a lot stronger, no matter how limited it is. Like, sure. I, I, um, Merchant's Rule for Jace. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, hello. So. I, I, I now, know. Uh, oh, uh, go ahead. I was just wondering what Eternal Dragon was paired with. Um, it was paired with Sense Enlistment. I actually cut it from the box. A blasphemy, I know. Ooh, but, um, I really wanted to get Loyal Retainers in there. Oh, right, right. So, it may, you know, it may find its way back in there. In fact, it probably will, but just like, you know, one of the things I ran into making the cube is because of the permanent spell split. Like, White, as a color in normal cube, would probably have, like, way more permanence and spells. Uh, and you actually run into a situation where you're having to cut really good white permanence, and you're, like, digging for white spells. Yeah, you know? that, was, that was one of the things I noticed, too. I'm like, a band? Or, like, Nivius Wisps? I'm like, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean... White Wisps was sick. Oh, it was, I w- yeah, it was sick and limited. <laughs> I, I definitely went through every page of white um, sorcerers and sorceries and instants on Gatherer, trying to find stuff. And so, you know, I pulled out some really like obscure stuff, like um, oh, what's on Batter Skull? It's, uh, it's Glory? Like factor fiction for yeah. um, creatures in the graveyard, like a living death factor fiction kind of thing. Yeah, it's like Death or Glory, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I liked that split. I was like, nice. Um. But, yeah, I mean, white has, in this cube, the way I have it built, a really strong token theme, not because I really wanted to include that, just because, like, 
once you add the fifth wrath to the box, you don't, you know, you can't really add anymore. You have to find white sorceries. <laughs> so. It's like, I need, uh. I'm either gaining life or wrathing the board, or I guess I'm going to put some tokens into play. You know? Yeah, there's not a whole lot of them once you get past, like, I mean, there's, you know, a fair amount. There's, you know, a little bit of combat tricks. You know, you have your uh, redirection tricks and things like that, you know. Right. Like Shoal and Harm's Way and 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 things like that, but it's you know that's one of the reasons why white was such an awful color for the in, such an uninteresting color for the longest time was because it only did the same two things over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, we have blue. Blue draws cards. What about white? White gains life. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'm actually glad you brought up um, Shining Shoal because. It sort of brings me to another point, which it which is that like the rules interactions for this split card cube do not actually exist. <laughs> um, the, now, now shine, there is a rules interaction with Shiny Shoal, obviously, because that is a real card and it, it comes up, but it doesn't work the way you think it, it does. Like you have to announce the Shining Shoal and then pay all costs, which means then you you choose X before you pay the cost. So you have to choose like one or the other. So, you, you know, for if you have Flicker with Breath of Life in hand, you have to choose three or four. You don't get all seven. Well, right, because you have to remove a card, and you only right. have to count half of it. Because it's not four, it, you know, right, same thing with, like, Dark Confidant or whatever. Like, the, you know, it's not, the converted mana cost of uh, Hit Run is not eight. It's three and five. Right. It's, you know what I mean? It's one, you know, and the other. It's not combined, so it has to be one, you know, one half of it. But, you know, I, I, so I ended up actually cutting Shining Shoal just because I know that that interaction is going to be, you know, problematic for someone who doesn't, you know, if you draft that card and you put it in your deck and you don't realize that that's how it works, you're going to be frustrated, you know, when the time does come for you to play it and you don't get to redirect 10. Yeah. And so, did you uh, kind of similarly cut uh, Isochron Scepter because of similar kind of... Exactly. I mean... And and while Shining Shell is an example of rules confusion where, you know, there actually are rules, I think Isochron Scepter, I ended up getting cut from my box, just not based on power, just because, like, the rules don't work with it at all. You know, oh, right. like, you just only people, get the one half. You can't you really know, actually do anything with the other half. I mean, people wanted to do stuff like put Humble on it and put copies of Humility into play. You know, oh, or right. put <laughs> creature tokens, put harm's way on it, and put you know copies of Micaeus into play. I guess that no. would be terrible. But yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's like no, it puts a copy of the spell, not. And, and yeah, I guess I my counter argument kind of was always like, you know, it it goes to the spell goes to resolve, and then you're supposed to put it into play, but there's nothing to put into play. So, but but I just got tired of like trying to. You know, not, not argue, but just like explain how Trying it works, explain and then, like, it from like a flavor standpoint, in addition and, to the rules, like, and even just like disappointing people when they thought it worked one way and it didn't. You know, so what you're saying is you didn't like take it, hold it in their face, and say, "Read the card, idiot! You yeah. can't do that!" and like throw well, but, it at them. I mean, but I think they have a valid argument as well because there really just isn't a rule for that because that's not a situation that can ever come up in real magic. You know, so, so and it's, there are going to be situations like that that come up that could never come up in real magic. And if you do end up making one of these cubes, my advice would just be sort of, like, set ground rules ahead of time and be consistent with them. 
And, you know, if if a situation comes up where you, you're biased and you can't make a good decision, ask the people around you. You know, for example, my opponent um, on Friday cast um, Realms Uncharted to go search out uh, that, that sort of gifts and given for land. Sure. And, you know, he pulled out basic forest, and then he pulled out forest natural affinity. He says, um, does this count as cards with different names? And, and I was like, well, I don't really know. What do you think? And he ended up just not getting it. But, yeah, you know. And that's, and that's why I remember recommending, like, uh, putting snow-covered, you know, making a snow-covered land just... I mean, it's a small interaction, but for cards like uh, realms and gifts, I mean, granted, it's small, but... I mean, yeah. and, my, and my experience has been that just people always have non-basics in their deck because they're so good anyway. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Altuder for everything. <laughs> yeah. Ultra Impulse. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the others, but I'm not really sure. Uh, is, is it Momentary Blink or Saving Grasp that's on the blue uh, Flooded Strand? I can't remember. Uh, flooded, flooded Strand, let's see. I made some changes, so I don't know if I'm like crossing wires. Oh, uh, yeah, Blink is on Flooded Strand. Yeah, so you get like that. Oh wow, even a flashback. Yeah, that's <laughs> so the, like the stacklands all have graveyard interactions. Like Verdant Catacombs has Worm Harvest. Um, you saw Windsweep Heath, Thrill of the Hunt, and we got Marsh Flats, Lingering Souls, um, Misty Rainforest, Trackers Instinct is really good. Oh wow, I didn't even think of that. Jeez, that was a red green. Was that a Ancient Grudge? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, Black Red is the exception. It has Bituminous Blast, but I'd be more than happy to cast that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Are there any good flashback cards in Black Red? <sighs> do you like Bumping in the Night? I do. I guess that works. <laughs> hey, hey, I put Bump in the Night on something else, actually. I forget. Really? I think I put it on Fulminator Mage. But I didn't even think of that. That's true. Yeah, and then I think Strangling Set. Is, yeah, uh, that's yeah. Another, that's and then the, uh, whatever the new one is that shocks. Oh, fires of undeath. Yeah. Yeah, but there's so many options. Oh, I mean, and that's what you sort of run into as you do this is like there are so many options that you sort of just have to choose one at a certain point, even if it's wrong. (laughs) Sure. Now, Stuart, do you have any other? If people are going to do this, then you you mentioned some recommendations for rules and kind of how to figure that out. Do you have any other recommendations for people as, as far as other things to, to keep in mind when doing this and undertaking this sort of project? Well, yeah, I mean, I mentioned the rules a little bit, and then I think I, we sort of went into just, like, being patient with when you're actually going through the building process. And part of that, I think, would even be, like, when you build a cube like this, your friends are going to play with it, and they're going to have a lot of input. They're going to come up with a ton of ideas of their own to... to um, for you know combinations of cards and stuff, and I think I think I get a lot of these on Twitter. Yeah, how many dumb ideas have I given you? Probably a ton. <laughs> I, and, I mean, on the one hand, I'm excited because you're excited about it, and like a lot of the ideas are even really good. But when you start moving a card, when you start shifting cards around, you're not just changing that card. Yeah, you're, everything. You're, because everything is sort of chained together. So if you move a card from one thing to the other, then you displace something else and you have to find a new home. And it may not necessarily fit on with the old one. So it's sort of this, like, domino effect. So, you know, just... I, I guess what I'm getting getting at is... Um, take your friend's advice, but understand that, like, it's your cube and you, you have to be the one who actually does all the work, so... Well, that right. happens even in regular cube. It's someone yeah, like, hey, you should put in this card, and I'm like, 
or like put in this really good blue card, and I'm like, I would, but I can't find the minute cut for it. Hey, Usman, I'm not playing your cube anymore unless you put Teferi back in. Oh, that was the worst. That was the worst. Yeah. By, by the way, uh, yeah, somebody was like, I'm not. Pl- I don't want to play your cube anymore because like Teferi was. Ooh, can, can we have a split card of uh, Teferi Mage of Zalfir and uh, French Foil Delay? French Delay. <laughs> wow. But that's sort of a nonbo because you want you want to cast both of those. Right, right, right. I mean, I understand. <laughs> but that is another sort of obstacle I've had to over overcome as I build these. Is you know you might be really tempted to put Basilisk Collar and Flame Fuselot on the same card because they seem you know like you know two sides of the coin. But then when you realize you can only cast one of them, you get really frustrated. But then you can delay their spell, and you have three turns to buy back your Teferi to put it in the play. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think, getting back to to, um, advice for the cube, the other advice that I would have is buy really good sleeves. Um, And the reason for that is, with every card having two cards on it, it's inevitable that you're poles of your card of your cube are going to get flipped around and so you're going to have the open side you know ramming into the closed side and like everything's going to be backwards and you will split so many sleeves if you buy cheap sleeves you know i originally i bought ultra pros uh, and i the reason the thinking was you know they have that little silver emblem on them yeah that even with that it's impossible to keep them all facing the same direction so buy super strong sleeves because you will destroy them, and you'll save money in the long run, I think. <laughs> right, and, and, you know, having a cube for about as long as you said you've been kind of cubing, I've, I've probably had my cube since about 2005 uh, or so, uh, maybe a little bit before that, I don't know, somewhere in that 2004 to 2006 range, um, I've found that uh, Japanese Ultra Pros are okay. They work pretty well. Not the English ones. The English ones are yeah. brutal. Yankee um, ones are awful. Yeah, the the Yank ones are pretty bad. Um, the KMC matte sleeves work very, very well. Um, and I've heard lots of good things now that their uh, quality control is better about Dragon Shields. Yeah, they're, I'm rocking they're, the they're, they're most expensive. Right yeah, because I remember they, seeing uh, the pink I remember, like, when I was walking around being like, hey, someone's cubing with pink sleeves. Cool. And then when I saw, when you introduced me to the, comp, the split cube, I'm like, oh, that. And then I think later you were like, I was like, man, I saw a draft, and I'm like, yeah, and that sucks, too, because we were, like, struggling to get drafts going, and I was like, ah! Yeah, I, we were running four-mans all weekend in Nashville because we had the unfortunate um, problem of all of our friends doing well in the event, so. Ah, uh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I was, and when he told me, I was like, God, I feel like an idiot. Like, that's the, ugh. Because I totally would have loved to draft it. But, yeah, I don't know, like, yeah, my American... Ultra Pros, ugh, worst, worst yeah. ever. <laughs> they're, they're brutal. Well, yeah. we, uh, beforehand, we, both Usman and I, or Usman did most of it, I, I did a, a small one, is uh, we actually uh, put some questions out there on the Internet between Twitter and some other places about uh, questions that we, people wanted to hear asked uh, about the split cube or split card cube or, you know, other things like that. And... Uh, uh, the, the first one that, that we have here is, uh, what would be your recommended cube size, um, and has your opinion changed about your answer? Um, well, I, I think you're really limited, actually. Like, 
I think you would be really hard-pressed to make it any bigger than what I have. I have a, about 420 cards in this right now. Which is uh, 840, you know. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's 840 cards condensed into 420 split cards. I don't think you can make it much bigger than that. Uh, and at the same time, you know, you can't make it too much smaller than that before you don't have enough for eight people to draft. So, you know... I guess the answer would be somewhere between 360 and 420 cards. <laughs> that works. Sure. You know, there's yeah. just not a lot of leeway. Yeah, and and that's one of the things I've noticed is multicolor. Like, when you start getting more multicolor, you have to really stretch the cards really hard. Really fat, yeah. I mean, the, even now, I think my, my red-white section has, like, uh... What's it called? It has, like, uh, Intimidation, intimidation bolt. bolt. Yeah. That's really loose. At first, yeah. I was like, that's... I was like, ugh. And then look, I looked for other options, and I'm like... We, have a, I'm we like, already have a Spite Mare in there, right? Well, I you know, that's so. a permanent. So you, you have to think permanence versus Sorcerer's Instance. Mm. Now, so... Now, I noticed, too, that... So, are you pairing? Let me ask this. So, I, I, earlier you said you were pairing a lot of, for example, the the dual lands. When I say dual lands, I mean cards that have two different colors of mana attached to them, whether they be bounce lands, you know, whatever fetch lands. Are you always pairing multicolor cards with the multicolored pair land? Yes. Okay, so that's why we're. That's why it's easy to run pretty thin on on the actual spells then. Yeah, because let's say I got the I have the bounce lands. Um, the Sacklands, the original duels, and then a, a set of Signets for each color pair. So that's four spells down the drain already before you start getting into gold permanence. Right. So, you know... Like, I tried putting in the Manlands, and then I was like, ugh, so many spells suck. Yeah, I mean, and that I would love to have the Manlands in there. I would love to find room for more lands, things like Keswick Wolf Run, or, like, Moreland Haunt, or, I mean, like, right now, I noticed today, I don't even have Sheldock Island there, which, there's no way that's what? right, that card is way too what? good. I know, right? <laughs> You're not going so, to any arguments about I have that to today. cut either Cephalid Coliseum or Tolarian Academy to make room for that. I think I cut Cephalid Coliseum for it in mine, but, yeah. I, was, I, oh. I mean, and I think that's the way I would probably go, but I actually have never, we I've never played in a cube that had Academy in it, so I want to play with that a little bit. Before I make the decision, fair enough. Yeah, and really also, good. like you hit threshold so fast in this cube. Oh right. That Coliseum is a lot better, I think. And uh, on that kind of on that vein, like uh, on the I don't want to detract from the the Twitter questions, but what are kind of some strategies you've seen people do? Like you said, blue black, uh, raise dead kind of things, but and like Eureka, some storm, but like what are some other kind of basic strategies like? You said if people want to try doing, like, mid-range Dirtle, then they're probably just going to die. But, like, what are some strategies um, you'd probably suggest? Well, I, I, actually, I think that, like, the Dirtle decks are okay. Be, because, but you're usually playing, like... Usually what, when you get one of those decks, it's because you started on, like, a Karoo. And, and you're basically just, like, trying to cast... Like... If you, you're trying to pull in as many lands as you can so that you never get flooded, but like, you have a lot of versatile answers. So, like, the threats in this format are, are really strong, but that's sort of because you have twice as many chances to have an answer to any given threat. Um, so, so I think the five color control is actually a really strong archetype if you just base it around, like, getting lands. 
um, and getting some of the like more versatile split cards like a Johnny Vengeant, like Odds Ends. Oh yeah, things, like, things that just like cover your bases really well. Well, it seems like if you just draft a bunch of non-basics, you're going to wind up with a bunch of spells attached to them anyway. I'm like a traditional cube where you're just like, all right, well, I'm going to play my good stuff deck. Okay, well, I have to make a specific effort to draft these lands at the cost of my spells. Well, that's not the case. You can just draft all your lands and, like, hey, I have all these six spells attached to them anyway. So, like, probably a much more valid strategy just out, you know, at the jump without even necessarily having to try. You can just draft your lands, and, hey, let's see what I got. I think, like, what doesn't work is if you're trying to draft, like, a sort of, like, blue-white control deck like you might see in in an average cube where you're doing things like, oh, I'm going to control magic your guy, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, cast Trinket Mage, or, you know, like, even, like, Maloku, like, I'm going to cast Maloku, that, you know, you're unless you're doing something, like, returning spells to your hand with Maloku, like, like you're probably just not interacting in a mo- powerful enough way. Uh, if 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 you're not taking advantage of like the multicolored lands, and if you're not trying to do something that's just like feels wrong. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's um, kind of like when you know we, we play a, a cube variant called uh, Windfall, where basically you put your lands, you put cards in your hand face down, and they operate as lands. But then if you pick them up later, they're you know they're in your hand as the spells again. Sounds like it's a similar interaction with Moloku and your your non-basic. So you can just be like, oh, hey, I need this spell in my hand, so I'm just going to pick up this non-basic and cast it as a spell. Yeah, same with Bounce Lands. Right, and get a, and get a 1-1 for it, you know, yeah. while I'm at it. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, like, I think a card, here's a card that's a perfect example. That, like, a lot of people, the first time they draft that card, the cube, they see, like, Control Magic Counterspell, like... This this card's obviously really good. It's got two ridiculous cards on it, and like Counterspell is pretty good, and Control Magic's pretty good. But it's n- you're not doing inherently anything that's better than what you could do in a regular game of Magic. Mm-hmm. Like you have to kind of cheat the system, I think. In the right, which it, format? It made mm-hmm. me think of like when uh, I think people like Norbert, uh, shout out to Norbert, and other people were suggesting you put in Magpie, and you're like, it's just it's too fair almost. Yeah, that's like that's like. I could be doing much more broken and better things than casting a 1-3 that draws me stuff. Hey, I feel that way about regular cube, too. Uh, snap! <laughs> oh, snap! Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I tried, I tried being nice. Hey, I, 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 I'm very nice about it. I just, just my food. <laughs> but to, to answer your original question, like, I think there, I've seen, a, there's almost always, like, a green deck uh, based on, like, uh, Lurgoyf effects. Um, the Erratic Explosion deck is definitely big. And, and you can have, like, a red aggro deck easily that isn't based on those. So there's sort of two schools of thought. There's, like, I'm going to draft Black Red and take the, um, like, Vampiric Tutor stuff to actually set up my Erratic Explosion. Or, like, I'm just going to play red creatures, and if I happen to get one of these and deal you six, then that's awesome for me, you know? So am I dealing you am I dealing you eighteen by putting um Emrakul on top of my deck? Or am I dealing you, you know, just for value dealing you damage in a in a burn deck? So that's sort of two schools of thought on red. There's a lot of really good um land destruction in the yeah, cube. Sto- sort of Stone Rain Chandra's Phoenix. I, I have sort of pulled back on that because I feel <laughs> like it's too easy to just go infinite on that one after having played with it. So I switched it to raise 
raise uh, Chandra's Phoenix so that I think the cost oh. is a little higher. But you, I, and also I noticed like I wanted to be destroying their lands earlier rather than like more often. Okay, fair. That makes sense. So like destroying it on turn one seemed better to me than you know destroying it on turn four, five, and six. Yeah, because that's when you and, want to, the disruption to happen early on. Right. Okay. I, I just can't help but sit here and think of like all the cute combinations that you could put on the same card. You know, like ooh, we could do boom bust kaboom. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did boom bust dead gone in mine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like so I, I many. Is there, is there another right? Just like go for the uh, as much alliteration as possible. Like boom bust burst lightning. Be <laughs> <laughs> trying to come up with cute because you know that's that's my trap is I would just be I would just be trying to make people laugh all the, the time. The dog actually trying to keep the traps. Yeah, 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 basically. <laughs> right, 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 right. There'd be like you know sun grass, you know egg or whatever, sun prairie egg, and then like uh, what's the right, and then some sort of boar, you know, like the 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 death boar, the one where uh, in Innistrad where oh, Esther Hyde boar. Yeah, so you have green eggs and ham on it in the same card. Oh, you could do Crows and Tusker, because that's a boar. It's a boar right, right, right. So that way you have green eggs and ham on the same card. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I would be, I'd be wanting to do. So, Or like Zodiac yeah, Chicken. Is Zodiac Chicken green? Because then you could have green eggs red. and ham, too. But, you know, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I would spend all my creative time trying to do. So that's just me, though. That's kind of like Apple Cell Drazi, in a way. Yeah, 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 right, which... uh I'm hoping to, to do some more on that in the very near future as you well. Read an article about it. Yeah, I. I, I, I right. <laughs> somebody's got to tell anybody. Somebody's got to. Somebody has to give you trouble about it. I know. I know. I need to do it. I need to do it. Yeah. Especially with uh, all this MSE that everyone's been using recently. But anyway. Send editors. Also, if you suck at Photoshop like I do, actually, I'm not bad at it. It's just a lot of work. Like I use Magic Set Editor a lot anyway. And it just really helped me to make the split card. Like, somebody had to kind of kind of do weird things, like Planeswalkers. I had to do kind of this weird method of just kind of putting it on a card. But, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I, I have uh, Adobe InDesign, which I can't recommend enough for this. Um, but, you know, I know not everybody is a graphic designer and can, can do that. So... <laughs> That everybody has, you know, all this software floating around. Like, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll spend a couple hundred dollars on this software to make a cube. Yeah. yeah. It's still a lot cheaper than buying all the real cards for a cube. Yeah, especially nowadays. Yeah. This is true. Jeez. This is true. That's crazy. All right, so uh, another uh, Twitter question here is, uh, which is your favorite split card? Uh, so... Uh, I, I pulled out before the the we sat down. I pulled out a bunch of cards that I liked, just sort of like quickly leaf through them. Sure. So I don't know if I can pick one. All right. Well, let's get a let's, let's get a few of them. But I'll, I'll knock like a few down that I that I really like. Um, personal favorite, probably like the one that I am most excited to play with in my deck is probably Wheel of Fortune Goblin Welder. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because they're they're just both effects that like I know I'm having fun if I'm using either of these effects. Okay. And to, I I mean like in my mind there's cube drafting is really about having fun and creating cool moments. So like I think you could argue till you're blue in the face about like good 
what's the best card in a pack, but I always just try and pick the most awesome card in a pack, which I, I distinguish from being good, just like, what's going to be the most fun for me? <laughs> so even if it's wrong, I would I will take Wheel of Fortune, Goblin Welder a lot of the time. Um, this next, I, I pulled out another card here. It's Sins of the Past, Pentad Prism. Pentad yeah, I was Pr- actually going to ask you about that one. How how is that work? Like this card is really good in the storm deck. Obviously, like you want to, you can Sins of the Past back your Mind's Desire. But like, I have been just really shocked at how good Sins of the Past for value has been. Like, I, I cast I, in the in the storm deck. I cast I resolved like a, a Mono Flare. And I cast um, Time Stretch to take two extra turns. And then, like, I drew Sins of the Past, and I was like, I guess I get another two turns. (laughs) And I've actually, there's just a ton of cards that cost more than six, or that just, like, you want to cast more times. So I've found, like, I've been really surprised. I, I, I don't know if it's really one of the best cards in the cube, or even, like, one of the coolest, but I think it's... I just wanted to mention it because I think it's cre- been surprising to me, and it's created some of the coolest moments. And then this third card I pulled out, we'll make we'll make this the last one. I could probably do this for hours. <laughs> but nice. but um, the third one I pulled out is the only errata in the box, um, and and it's sort of a an outside of the game errata. So it's Progenitus. Coalition Victory. Oh, yes. But, but I have a rata on Coalition Victory that says, if you win the game this way, everyone who's drafting with you has to buy you a drink. And was there something like they can't <laughs> and get out says, of it or something? No conceding. Yeah. So, because I, I know the people I draft with would just be like, I scoop, I scoop. You know. Yeah, you're going to scoop me up a so drink, sucker. What second? I don't know, like, can't concede to that. So you reminded me, when you mentioned uh, Sins of the Past, I have a card that I, I want to ask you if it's in there, because it seems like with the way that the format is, is shaped, that it could be very, very good. Do you have Memory Plunder anywhere in, in your cube? Is that the is that a Transmute card? It's No, it's it's a four-hybrid black-blue mana, so black-blue, 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 black-blue. I, can uh, already, I don't have it. <laughs> it's, an, it's an instant, so it's instant, you know, four-hybrid black-blue mana. Uh, you may cast target instant or sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard without paying its mana cost. And it's an instant. Interesting. I may have to cut Reek the Seagraph for that. Because that card seems like it'd be really interesting as well, because yeah, you, know, you can, you can like plan your bad. turns around like blowing up a permanent that doesn't matter, because then you can then memory plunder the spell half of it that's in their yard. It seems like it might add a, another layer of intrigue. Yeah, it's just, again, it's just one of those cards that creates awesome moments, and that's mm-hmm. sort of what I want. I mean, like, for, for, I, in, in Nashville, for example, um, my my opponent casts uh, Hypergenesis, like his Hypergenesis resolves, and he goes, um, Ink Moth, Leviathan, or Inkwell Leviathan, Emrakul, Kozilek, Akroma, and I don't know, something else, like a, a Juggernaut or something, something like not not that relevant. And so I'm like, well, okay, I have a counterspell in hand, but I guess instead I'll just put this Riffling, Cloudscape, Volition Reigns, Confiscate, and Sower of Temptation into play. Wow. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, so that's like, like, I think situations like that, it sounds like an outlier. And, and that particular situation obviously isn't going to come up very often. But, like, weird things like that happen all the time when you're playing this, just like explosive moments like that. 
That's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And that's what I look for in a cube draft, and that's why I think this is a lot of fun. Well, hey, man, you've convinced me, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm going to try to convince other people to put one together because I'm way too lazy to do it on my own. You can spend however much time you can just to build um, this thing. <laughs> come by Atlanta and draft this one since aren't you? Hey, man, I'm, I'm in the Atlanta area. I was going to ask you about that. I actually live in, uh, I'm up in Rome. I actually am at, uh, in the Atlanta area quite a bit, so. Anyone who's in the Atlanta area or if you're coming through Atlanta, uh, I, I play at the gaming pit, um, in, in, in that area pretty much every Friday night. Um, or if, you know, you hit me up on Twitter or whatever, I can probably drag a, a cube draft together, so, um, yeah, that's, that's how you can play this if you're in the Atlanta area. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, like uh, typically, I you know, being in Northwest Georgia, I only make it usually as far as Super Games. Um, that's about as far as I usually go, unless there's a, a big event or something going on. But now I'm going to definitely have to uh, do some uh, off podcast communication here to see if we can set something yeah. up because I'm sure I got a I got a group of guys on on this side. I'm sure who would love to do something like this. So sure. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> I don't have to make one. What's up? Yeah, <laughs> I remember so many people like I was trying to keep it on the like keep it on the hush hush telling people I'm like this is the greatest idea ever, and we wanted to like try to spring like a draft. I was like, hey, you guys want a cube? And just kind of like go, yeah, sure, let's have a cube draft. And have them open the packs and then see the like what what kind of like <laughs> everybody just getting their mind blown spontaneously, being like, yep, right, yep. gotcha, 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 gotcha. Face, that's a big. <laughs> right, right, right. Awesome. Oh man, this has been this has been enlightening, and I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to do this. And I, I hope that people out there listening are 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 just as excited as uh, Usman is about most things. Especially <laughs> <laughs> is, is about this. You know, I hope you're all giggling at home. <laughs> yeah, and, and look for me at GP Atlanta too, because that's probably the next big event I'll be at. Oh, yeah, I'll be there for sure. Well, speaking of which, uh, why don't you let people know how, if they want to get in touch with you, uh, how they can do that, Stuart? Sure. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's just Split Card Cube on Twitter. So, so at Split Card Cube? Yes. Okay. You only have, like, 40 followers, and there should be, like, a thousand. <laughs> this is just insane. I, I'm up to, like, 52 today. Nice. You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> you hit me on Follow Friday, and that got me like four spam bots to follow me. So you know. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to be real. The word of Usman, powerful enough for the bots. The bot That's ass. okay. I'm pretty sure most of the the forty something people following me are because you've mentioned me. Yeah, I know. Put the names and write in followers, girls. Like put all like the spammy like name things in there. <laughs> News, like whatever. follow Friday at Split Card Cube followers, girls, Lady Gaga, like all these just like random like things that'll that'll hit the bots and watch yeah. it explode. I know uh, Chris Pakula picked up on Meddling Mage. Like, yes, like this is amazing. I'm like nice. That's yeah. how I knew I hit the big time. Yeah. <laughs> right. If Meddling Mage is willing to. Uh... But actually, I thought that was pretty awesome because I remember you know reading invitational coverage. When I was, you know, in middle school or whatever, and wow, well, you know, meddling mage actually does something in this cube because you can prevent people from casting spells like flashback spells they have in their yard that they have something else on. Oh, wow. yeah, but I'm pretty sure I'm not cutting any white blue stuff for no. it. 
No, no. <laughs> I, it, it's still it's still terrible, but <laughs> it's uh yeah, pretty hysterical. Yeah. There's there's another really good. But while you guys are, are doing some other stuff, I'm gonna do a little bit of research here. There's another blue white card that I'm wondering. Uh, Aether, Aether Mages, something. Aether Mages Touch. I think that's it. Yeah. That's I, yeah, he's running it. Okay. <laughs> that card seems like it might be pretty good. Yeah. It's like what? Choose four or like reveal the top four. Um, put a creature card from among them into play. With at the end of your turn, return this creature to its owner's hand. Yeah, was it that or reviving vapors? It's or reviving something? vapors is what reviving I have. vapors is, yeah. is the other one where you gain life or whatever for equal to its converted mana cost. Right. Okay. So that's what I was thinking. That, that so was like easy. But this one is a chance for you to put a creature card into play, get an effect out of it, and then you know you re- basically return it to your hand. So then you wind up with the spell too. Yeah, and you know what? Card. It was actually in there um, when I had more gold cards in here, and it was just sort of like a. A uh, victim of red, white, and you know, like black, green, not having good gold cards past a certain point. Sure. At some point, you gotta draw the line. <laughs> right. Makes sense. But it may find its way back in there if, like, saving grasp or something doesn't pull its weight. Sure. Saving grasp seems interesting. Yeah, it does. So. So, Ms. Mark, why don't you, uh, as we're we're wrapping up here, why don't you tell people where people can find you? Uh, at Usman the Red on Twitter and the blog, I'd rather be cubing.wordpress.com, and I do biweekly articles on Mondays for StarCityGames.com. And I also would like to give a shout out, by the way, to uh, a David Merton Jones, who does the theme of the podcast, and he did like a like pretty recently he did like a full like three minute version of it, and I'll link that in the notes. And also to uh, Yugular. To, because he, yep, uh, Spanish Malika. Oh yeah, Maddie uh, hooked uh, Yugular, who has been on you know Popper to the People and who does uh, a lot of cube stuff, uh, was able to help me obtain a Spanish foil Maloku for my cube because in my cube we play the cards how they how they uh, how they lie. So that's right, two two illusion tokens. As if it wasn't good enough already. Enough already. <laughs> But it's also, you know, one of those nice collector pieces that's really nice to have. Uh, yeah. This is a really awesome thing. And, you know, uh, you know, we can talk about that some other time. But, you know, if, if people don't like to play with errata, if they're going to be, you know, yeah, I don't want to do that, then the card's still good in its own. You know, I'm not playing cards that aren't good in its, in its original form. Like, you know, my, curse, my Japanese Curse Scroll that activates for two, you know, that card's still just fine when it activates for three. So, yeah. So, yeah, definitely wanted to have been trying to mention uh, Maddie's name as many different places as possible. Yeah, he's the man, <laughs> for, for sure. For thanks for, for doing that. So and, him and Norbert get, like, infinite shout-outs. Yeah, those guys are, uh, those guys are good people, for sure. Yeah. Good people, for sure. And you guys, uh, if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at, at Antony42. Um, I'm also pretty much Antony42 everywhere you can possibly imagine, all the message boards. Um, did you mention the show email? Oh, uh, MTG the third power at gmail.com. You can hit us up there. You can hit us up at Usman's blog. Uh, you can find us all those places. You can also find me. I guest hosted uh, Monday Night Magic. Uh, yeah, that was sick. That was last beautiful. week. So you can find me on my silken tones on there as well. So very cool, you guys. Well, hey, uh, this was awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on there, Stuart. That's uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. 
always fun to talk to you. Yeah, that was just awesome. I remember, like, when I was like, man, we have to get this guy on the podcast for serious. So <laughs> you got to spread the word. So hopefully that'll do just that. Like, cause this, this seems insane. Like, right. That's, and now I know. That's it. It's on. I'm, I'm finding my way over to the pit at some point in time. Cool. I have to find my way. I said a little bit, you know, another half an hour or so past uh, Super Games or whatever. Else. I meant to show up there. Was it a PTQ that they recently had there, a modern one? Yeah, there was. Yeah. A small I, one, like 50 people or something. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've, you know, it's the first constructed format in a long time I'm really well tested for, and I've missed mm, all four or five PTQs I could have gone to so far due to other commitments. Oh, so, yeah. That sucks. Yeah, happens. You know, it's it, they're all for good reasons. So it's not like oh, I had a court date, so I had to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all like, hey, got paid to be here. Hey, this good thing happened. You know, not well. I was driving there, and three of my tires blew out, and then you know, I hit a busload of nuns, <laughs> and then you know. I still would have been okay because I happened to have three spares in my trunk. But as it turns out, there was a fire on the side of the road. And, you know, I was, you know it's just like, nope, just had other good things to do. So, yeah, other good things to do. So, well, very cool. I'm looking forward to doing this. And uh, I'm sure Usman's looking forward to it for the great idea. And uh, thanks a lot for coming on. And hopefully you people will follow you on Twitter and, and <laughs> hit you up with great card pairing suggestions and, and their findings. And I'm going to try to get an article on it. I'm probably going to talk to Lauren or, you know, some people at Star City about it, like, if I can or not. But if I can, yeah. yeah. I'm just not sure yeah, about the conflict of interest thing. I'm not sure. I, I mean, it's an interesting sort of situation because, you know, like, printing cards is sort of not Problem. smiled upon. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the whole, like, with that whole altered thing that happened today. Like, the rules about altered cards. Yeah, I, I just started that? to see the beginning. No, it's, what is I'm, that? I'm going to read some more about that here in a little bit. Yeah, you can fill me in offline here. Okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure myself. I just thought, and I'm like, it doesn't affect me. I don't play sanctioned events. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely want to get some exposure on this. It's, yeah, it's amazing. It's, yeah, really awesome idea. And I think it's just brilliant. Like, I'm going to give you a golf clap for coming up with the can you hear it? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> uh, that was really nice. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> well, very cool, you guys. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out. And uh, I'm I'm sure we'll be communicating in the very near future about all this wonderful stuff. And uh, I think there's only one thing left to do, Usman. That's right. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Visions. Return to Jamara. Have Man, a great week, you guys. <laughs> Bye, men, and <laughs> there you go. All right, you guys, take it easy. Bye. All right, bye.